Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Good morning. Everybody doing well? All right, it's good to be back. I, was, uh, I went on a trek last week. I drove from here to uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. 29 hours. Uh, Hudson's back there playing, and uh, unfortunately, prior to him leaving, I got in an accident in his truck. So had to get it fixed. It wasn't ready. So you know who got stuck driving it to Minnesota? Me. Wonderful. So I like tried to power through. I was trying to be like the man. You know what I mean? Guys, like when you're going on, like I don't need to sleep, you know? And when I was younger, I've made those treks. And about 2 in the morning, 1.30 in the morning in the middle of Nebraska somewhere, um, I'm like, I got to find a truck stop. (laughs) So I found a truck stop, shut her down for three hours and then woke up and and anyways, I'm too old for that. So, um, but we made the truck, made it, got there. Huddy's good. We're all set. So it's good to be back. I'm, I'm glad to be with you. I know Luke preached last week. Thank you, Luke. Uh, it, it did a, an excellent job. Uh, I love um, getting different faces up here and you to hear, you know, different preachers of the gospel. We're in this series in Ephesians. And uh, uh, before we get there, you know, we talk about church and culture and uh, regularly. I, I don't do it every week, but a couple weeks ago I talked to you about a bill, AB 957, that had passed the House and then went to the Senate, and it just passed the Senate. But I've asked you to pray. I've asked the church. The church is praying, and there's power in this. It passed the Senate, and the bill basically would allow uh, judges to take into account a parent who wouldn't affirm a child's uh, uh, chosen sexuality. And, and a, a, a judge could take them from their parents. If one, a father said, no, y- y- you know, you're a boy and you're a girl, and a, and a parent disagreed, they could remove them from the house. For some reason, our governor vetoed the bill. I mean, that's incredible. Newsom vetoed a bill that, I, now I, I, I have my personal reasons why I think, I think he's, he's bidding for something bigger, so he's trying to get a little more centrist than, than usual, but anyways, whatever, prayer works, keep praying, look, culture matters, and we have a responsibility as the church to grab a hold and pray and stand for what is right and what is good, so uh, we'll keep you updated on, on those different things. We're in this series in Ephesians, and, and today we're going we're gonna to dissect one 11 through 14. It's a lot. It's, it's hard. You know, it's a, a laugh because, you know, in church, there are people who go, we've got to preach expository preaching. You know, expository preaching is taking a book and going verse by verse, line by. If you don't preach expository preaching, you're missing it from God. That's the only way you can preach. Now, we don't, that's not the only way we preach. We preach topical so we'll do topics and we'll do four points to something or five points. But then we also do expository. And uh, w- w- what I find is when you get into expository teaching, there's so much depth that it's hard to get out of one verse. There's just so much in there. So in the next two hours, I'm going to be able to take the... <laughs> you guys laugh. That is such an old joke. I, I usually don't get laughs from that anymore, but I really appreciate the token laughs. 
Um, but I'm going to try to power through this. There's a lot, lot here. But it says this in Ephesians 1, 11 through 14. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard of the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Father, I thank you for your word. There's a lot there, Father God. So much good, important truth in your word. Lord, I pray that you would just move me aside and that you would speak this morning, Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear what you would have us hear this morning. Lord, I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Kathy Boone. Does anybody know who Kathy Boone is? Nobody knows who Kathy Boone is. Kathy Boone, and you shouldn't know who Kathy Boone is. Kathy Boone was a woman who lived in Astoria, uh, Oregon. She was homeless. Wandered the streets, had her baskets, lived a pretty uneventful life. And in 2000, she passed away. No great ceremonies, no parades. In fact, there wasn't even a service for Kathy when she passed away. Nothing. The interesting thing about Kathy was this, that, that although nobody could see her and, and she'd walk every day, and, and actually there were some people that had, had, had said they'd had coffee with her and she was very pleasant. The interesting thing about it was in 2016, Kathy Boone's mother passed away. And when she passed away, she left her an inheritance. And the inheritance was almost a million dollars, 980-some thousand dollars. In 2016, in 2020, Kathy Boone died penniless with absolutely nothing. Now, the the real interesting thing to me is this. They said in in the article that I read of this Kathy is that, that she knew of her inheritance, Fully aware of her inheritance, yet her mother passed in 16. That four-year period, she never touched it, never went after it, never did anything with it, and died penniless and homeless. It's, it's a, this inheritance that she had that she knew of, a million dollars, and she never touched it. In the scripture in verse 11, it says something to us. The first part of 11a, it says, in him, in Christ Jesus, in him, we have obtained an inheritance. Uh, what's our inheritance? And, and you ask, well, what's, what's our inheritance? That's a question that people ask. What you have to understand is our inheritance is both present and it's future tense. Our inheritance is now today on the earth as we are. And then our, our, our inheritance is when we are with God someday in heaven, looking what we're looking forward to. Our present inheritance is this, the forgiveness of sins. We are forgiven from our sins when we come into a relationship with Jesus. Our inheritance is reconciling to God. It's the indwelling and the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. It's the spiritual gifts that God gives each one of us. It's the fruit of the Spirit that comes forth from our lives. It's the victory that you and I have over sin, whether you believe it or not. It's the purpose of Christ in our life. Those are... Uh, many of the, a few of the many inheritance that you and I have. I don't know if you knew that. 
Then there's this eternal inheritance, this future inheritance that we will see. And it's this, eternal life. That life will be eternal. We, we can't kind of put that in our head. We don't understand what eternity looks like. But we have this eternal life. In, in heaven, we have this full realization of who God is in his presence that we don't have today. This internal inheritance, no more pain, no more suffering. Doesn't sound like a bad deal. It's, it's this participation in God's eternal kingdom, God's plan, his ultimate purpose for each one of us. That's our eternal inheritance. Hey, there, there's a couple of keys to the inheritance that, that we need to know as Christians. Number one is it's a gift. This inheritance, you know, I don't know, has anybody ever gotten an inheritance from a, a grandparent or a parent, or, you know, and, and, and it's, you know, it's a blessing. There's nothing you did to earn your inheritance. There's nothing you could have done to get your inheritance. It's a gift, and it's irrevocable that it's yours. Now, it doesn't mean you have to take it, obviously, as Mrs. Boone showed us, but it can't be taken away from you. Why? Because you're a son. You're a daughter. Our inheritance is a gift. Clement of Alexandria, one of our church fathers, said this, and I love this quote. He says, we have nothing but what we have received, and of that we receive nothing from ourselves, but from the Lord, who gives us the capacity of receiving when he prepares us to be receivers. And, and here's what he's saying. Let me, let me dumb it down for, for people like me. Is this, that you did nothing to receive it. And in fact, even the ability that you have to receive what God has for you is given to you by God. Think about that for a second. Your, your ability to even get it is given to you by God. In other words, we did nothing to get it, and nobody can take it away from you. Your inheritance is sealed. It's yours. Job 1.21 says this, and he said, Naked I came into my mother, from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed is the name of the Lord. And why that scripture is important is, is that you and I realize that you didn't choose how you came into this world. You didn't choose the parents you came into into this world. You didn't choose what socioeconomical uh, level you'd be at when you came into this world. You, didn't, you chose nothing. You had no choice in the matter. You came in naked, you're leaving the same way. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Why, why is this so important to us? Why is under, church, why is understanding your inheritance in Christ Jesus so important? Because it's positional. There, there's a humility that I walk in when I understand that my inheritance has nothing to do with me, but I have full access. Job 33, 4 says, The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty given, giveth me life. Again, he's reiterating this, that, that the very next breath that you and I draw upon, you know where it's coming from? From God. I, I, love, you know, I love athletes. I love the way that, that, that they talk, and, and I did, and others and stuff. It's like, I'm the greatest, and I, I never said I was the greatest. I was nowhere close to being the greatest. I'm the worst. It goes both ways, I guess. But, but you know, I'm this, and I'm that, and, and you, you just sit and you listen. You go, okay, 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 but... Did you know that the very next breath that you draw upon is a gift from God? Yet you're the greatest? See, see there's a position when I understand my inheritance in Christ. It's, a, it's like, oh my God. 
It's a gift from you. The scripture helps us put everything into perspective. Because some of us are walking around like you got it all together. We all do on some level. Some of us are walking around and, you know, hey, man, I got this thing conquered. I got this thing under control. I've got this. I know, I know, I know, I know. And the reality is this. I don't know. And I've got to stay in this position of humility at the very next breath that is taken, given to me by God. See, something happens inside of you when you look at life that way. There's a humility that you walk in. There's a, there's a, 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 a moment of, okay, I've got to make this moment count for the kingdom of God. See, you have an inheritance. It's a gift from God. It's sealed by the Holy Spirit, and no one can take it. And yet we have a church full of Kathy Boones. We have a church full of people that that there's this million dollars sitting in this bank, and the church is walking around completely, you know, out of our minds with a basket and all of our possessions in that basket. We have full access to an inheritance. We have full access to forgiveness. We have full access to peace. We have full access to purpose. We have full access and inheritance that God has given us to every one of these things in his word. The promise is sealed by the Holy Spirit. Yet the church looks like Kathy Boone. Church, we got to wake up. We have to wake up. My life is spinning out of control. And the Holy Spirit says, you have an inheritance. My husband is, my wife is, fill in the blank. And the Holy Spirit says, yeah, 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 yeah. But you know what? You have an inheritance. My addiction's out of control. Holy Spirit, yes, but you have an inheritance and it's in this word. My children are, fill in the blank. Yeah, the Holy Spirit says and reminds, you have an inheritance. My job isn't what I want it to be. It's going crazier. I don't even have a job in the Holy Spirit says, yeah, but you have an inheritance. My finances are, my health, fill in the blank. And the Holy Spirit, the redeemer of our inheritance, the one who seals our inheritance says to us, you have an inheritance. That's hope, church. You have an inheritance, and it's time for the church to act like she has an inheritance. It's time for the church to stand and know what her inheritance is. Part of the problem with us in the church is we don't even know what our inheritance is. We don't even know the promises that God has for us. We don't even know what to stand on. We don't even know what scriptures to quote because we're so ignorant, and we're about an inch deep and a mile wide in our Christianity. I go to church every week. I tip God. I do those things. A mile wide, but I don't know what my inheritance is. Gosh, it's kind of quiet in here today. My two intents. I'm preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to me. I'm looking. See, I I have this this blessed opportunity to study this, and, and, and I actually get paid kind of for it. And I look at it and go... If if you weren't paying me to do it, would I still? Yes. I pray that I would. Because I look at the inheritance God has for you and me. It's life-changing. The fruit of someone who knows who they are, 
who they are in Christ Jesus, an heir to the great fortune, a son or daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, a son or daughter of, of the one who owns it all. They walk in peace. They hold tight to their inheritance, and they have an eternal perspective. Everything doesn't just sit right here. It sits out here. There's a peace that they walk in. They understand who they are in Christ Jesus. Verse 11b says this, the second half of that verse in 11, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Uh, this first part, having been predestined, if you want to go through that, we talked about this uh, three weeks ago and in that first passage in Ephesians 1, 1 through 6, and we had a conversation, and we talked about predestination and Calvinism, we talked about a free will and Arminianism. If you really want to go deeper in it, we did that three weeks ago, back and listen to the podcast. I'm not going to go deep into it today because we already did. And we would be here for two hours if I kept going there. So, uh, he, but, he, but he very clearly says and speaks of this predestination. St. Augustine said this, and this is where we sit as a church in predestination and Calvinism versus Arminianism. In the central truths, which, which that is not um, unity, the central truths are Christ's deity and, and death, burial, and resurrection, among other things. In the non-essentials, which that is, liberty in all things charity. We're going to be gracious. We're going to be gracious in all things. But in, in, in 11b, so let's keep going, he says this, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. In other words, according to the purpose, God has a purpose for each one of us in his inheritance, and part of his inheritance is the purposes that he has for you in your life. God understands and walks us in. There is nothing random in life. There is absolutely nothing that is random. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He is everywhere. Everything, everyone has perfect purpose, period. There is nothing that you see in this building right now, including people, that does not speak to a creator with purpose in mind. You can't name me one thing. That dead thing, cloud, flower, whatever it is. Chris, it's beautiful. You have such exquisite taste. That thing, when it was alive, served purpose in the greater uh, atmosphere and oxygens and all that science stuff that I have no clue about, but it did. That chair, a creator in his mind said, I'm going to put two arms on it, and it's going to be an ugly chair, but it's going to be a comfortable chair. Purpose. Every, you as an individual, purpose. There's nothing random. And this scripture speaks to it. It speaks to the sovereignty of God. The scripture underscores that God is sovereign in all that he does. He exercised complete control and authority over everything that is happening in the universe. Everything that goes on. Nothing goes on in life without having gone through the hands of the Lord. Does that mean that he manipulates and controls everything? No, but he allows things. He allows things to happen. He works all things. God is not a passive observer, but he is actively at work in the world, orchestrating and directing all things. My, uh, a buddy of mine who's a doctor, we were talking a couple days ago, and he was reading this article, and he sent to me in The Economist, and it talked about AIDS. Now, you think of the, the AIDS, what do you think of? Oh, you know, 30 years ago. Do you know AIDS is the number one killer of children and women in Africa today? Hundreds of thousands die each year because of, of AIDS. 
And uh, one of the things that he said and, and talked about in the article was it keeps being perpetuated by all these men who have AIDS, who have sex with these 12, 13, 14-year-old girls. And, 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 and we're talking, and I said, the depravity of man goes to just the nth degree. The depravity of man, and, and we're talking about depravity of, of man, and, and, and you know, one of the questions was, well, well if God is God, and, and this is true, that he's not a, a passive observer, he's actively working in the world, how does all of this take place? Some of it I don't understand. I have to go back to Psalm 103 that says God is just and he's righteous. And trust that is true. But the practical side of of logic and thinking about this question looks like this. If God is love, peace, patience, and I've talked about this before, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, grace, mercy, all those things, that's God, who he is. That's the essence of who he is. The absence of God is this, hatred, bitterness, perversion, anger, strife, all of those things, correct? So we have a world where you have God, who is that, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all the things that he is, but you also have all these other things. It is only because God's sovereign hand is in this world that it's not a complete show. Fill in the word. It's only because God's hand is in this place and that he sovereignly is, is moving things, that he's working through lives of people, that this place isn't complete chaos. Take God out of this place, it is complete. In fact, what the Bible calls it? Hell. So if you ever go, oh, I can't believe in a God because, you know, this, this, is going. no, 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 let's, let's flip this around. The only reason that it's not completely is because of a God. See, we see God's sovereign hand throughout history. We see it in the Old Testament, in the life of Joseph, you know, sold by his brothers into slavery. You're sold by your brothers. You're thinking, this is a crappy life. Life isn't going so well. I must, God must be mad at me because, you know, I just got sold by, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. And, and he didn't do anything. And then all of a sudden, he's in this, this prison cell, and he's interpreting dreams. And, and the, pharaoh, uh, the pharaoh calls him up, and, 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 and he interprets a dream, and it happens to be true. And, and he starts rising to power, and he's this, the right-hand man to, to the pharaoh. And, and, and he reunites with his family, and he saves the Jews who are deemed for destruction. But because of his favor, he's able to save his family and the Jews. We started with sold into slavery. And all of a sudden, down the line, we're like, saved a whole race. Some of you are starting right now and you're in this place, sold into slavery, whatever that means. But know that you know that the story's not over and God's hand is working. We see it in the New Testament. Well, let's finish this. Genesis 50, 20 says, as for you, you meant evil against me, speaking to his brothers, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. In the New Testament, we see Paul's conversion. Paul is killing, persecuting Christians. Not a good way to start things off. He is, he is just an absolute, hates the Christians, hates what they're doing. He, he has this conversion on the road to Damascus. He, he is an apostle to the Gentiles. He writes the, a third of the New Testament. 
you know, he is the establisher of the church in the New Testament. All these great things. He goes from killing Christians, the antithesis of what it means to be a Christian, to the next thing you know, he's one of the greatest figures in the Bible that we've seen today. God's hand is sovereignly. Some of you are sitting in a situation today and you're going, this is complete whatever it is. But know that you know that you know that God has purpose. That God can work things together. Know that you know that God has a bigger plan as he did with Paul's life. Know that you know that God can work all things together. Even the unexpected and unlikely circumstances for his divine purpose. I talked to Eddie and, and, uh, five years ago. He had a fire that burned down his place. Before that, he had a, 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 a 9-11 that burned down his, his business. And, and you're going, what the heck, you know? And but, but watching God's hand just move through his life and, and many of your lives. And, you know, when we sit in the moment of difficulty, we start going, oh, where's God? And God goes, just settle down. Just settle down. Because Romans 8, 28 says, for we know that we... Those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Called to his purpose. And he goes into verse 12, A, the first part. So that we who are the first to hope in Christ, Paul says, this is our hope. Our hope is Christ Jesus. It's the hope of our salvation. It's a hope of the redeemed world. It's a hope of the transformation. It's a hope of healing and restoration. A hope of unity and love. Of guidance and wisdom. The resurrection and the return. It is the hope that I stand on. It's the hope of this scripture. It is the hope that brings life to people in this hopeless world. It is what God speaks. Hope. He speaks life into us through the hope of his son, Jesus Christ. The question is, have you forgotten your inheritance? Kathy Boone, have you forgotten what God promised you? Some of us have forgotten because, you know what, you picked up this word in six months. Some of us have forgotten because we're getting the hell beat out of us and we don't think God's around. Some of us have forgotten because we're bitter because we think we're getting the bad end, short end of a stick. Some of us have forgotten our inheritance because things are going really well. I got my stuff together. I don't know this. God, you can come along for the ride. Some of us are just holding on this morning. Some of us didn't want to be here this morning. With a raise of hands, could we admit? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Some of you feel like Joseph, accused and convicted. Some of you been just like Paul, mad at God. Some of you have been running from God's calling. Some of you have lost your hope. Remember your inheritance this morning. Remember you hope in Christ Jesus. Your hope in Christ Jesus. Verse 12. So that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. I, I love this because this is so important. You have to get this little piece. Because in verse 12 starts with, so that. I'm not a, as you know, an, an English grammar. Come on, get ready. But it's important when someone says, so that, because it's, he's getting ready 
Yeah, he's connecting two thoughts. Is that correct? Thank you. It's, it's a transition. It's a transition. Where were you this morning at four when I was writing this? It's a transition. He's connecting two thoughts in this transition to tell us the results of when we know what our inheritance in Christ is. He's saying this is what happens. It's so important because if we're lost on everything I've said so far, we've missed completely what the gospel of Christ is all about. And Paul says, so that the ultimate purpose of God's redemptive work is to bring glory and honor to God himself. So what is Paul saying? He's saying this. We are to walk in our inheritance. We're to walk in everything that God has given us. We're to walk in our, our, our faith. We're to walk in our redemption. We're to walk in everything so that God would be glorified. We are to walk. Mark, you walk in your transformation so that God is glorified in your life. You walk in this redemption by the blood, regardless of all that other stuff. You walk in the redemption of the blood so that God is glorified in your life. Chris, you healed and restored from all that stuff, whatever that stuff is. You're healed and restored so that people go, wait, 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 what? How? God, Jesus. And he gets the glory. He gets the glory. It's this concept of beauty for ashes. Isaiah 61, 3 that says, to all who mourn in Israel. The mourning is this picture of, of, of humility and, and brokenness before God. He will give a crown of beauty for ashes. And whatever your ashes are, wherever your ashes have come from, whatever has been burned down, whichever has been torn down, whatever has been broken, whatever you feel like is lost, whatever those ashes are, the Bible says this, he'll give you a crown of beauty for ashes. A joyous blessing instead of the morning. Festive praise instead of despair. It's, it's what we did up here today when we worshiped and we invited the Holy Spirit. This, this prayer and this worship. And in their righteousness, they'll be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. In his righteousness, you will be like a great oak. And the, the, the world, your, 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 your friends, your family, your you're, the people you work with, the neighbors will look and say something about that person. They are an oak in Christ Jesus. They see something different regardless of what you've been through. Beauty for ashes. And in verse 13 he says, In him you also who were heard, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. All Paul is doing here is he's saying, here's the process, here's what it looks like, here's how it goes. You hear the gospel message, and you're awakened in your soul. You respond with a belief in Christ Jesus, and as a result of your faith, as a result of that response, you receive the seal of the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you, and you receive a new identity in God as his children. And the certainty of our salvation is sealed. Paul is telling us, stop believing the lies, church. Stop believing the lies. You know the lies. I'll never get out of this. I'll never have freedom. I'm not good enough. God is not where, go, go, nowhere to be found. 
God can't forgive me. God doesn't care about me. The lies that are spoken in your ears, the, the, the little, that little voice that speaks to you, that you know is from the pit of hell. And the Bible says this, that we demolish every argument, that every pretense that sets itself against the knowledge of God. That's what Paul is saying. These are pretenses, the lies that set you up against the knowledge of God. He says, take captive every thought, making the obedience to Christ. Take captive every thought. And when the enemy comes and lies and tells you that you are a loser, or tells you you're never going to add up, tells you you're never going to have this, you go, no, 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 no. That's not what my scripture says. The inheritance that I have that comes from this word, the inheritance that is promised and sealed with the Holy Spirit that lives in me, I can access. I don't have to die on the street with nothing, knowing that there's inheritance of a million dollars out there. I can walk in the fullness of it. Because it's been guaranteed by his Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us his guarantee and the down payment for our future inheritance. This isn't it. If this is it, just let's go jump off a bridge. Dear God. If this is it, seriously. If your life is defined by this, it's not. It's not. Having said that, though, in the midst of this, you have an inheritance. You know what that means? You can walk in peace. You can walk in hope. You can walk in knowing that this isn't it. And that someday. Jesus makes this promise to us. This, I, I love the inheritance that we have here. He says, look, look I'm going to leave. It's good that I leave because I'm going to send a helper, my Holy Spirit. A reminder, a seal of the promise of God that he gave each one of us. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. When we trust in Jesus Christ, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. This seal serves as a mark of ownership by God and guarantees our inheritance. In the same way that Kathy Boone had a mother who was a namesake too, she had a guarantee. If she would have walked into that office she could have received that money because her name and who she was. It was a guarantor of the money that was there. And we have the same guarantor through Christ Jesus and his Holy Spirit. The ultimate purpose, Paul concludes by stating that all of this, our inclusion with Christ, our seal of the Holy Spirit, our guarantee and our inheritance is for one purpose and one purpose only. To bring glory and honor to God himself. You know what this life is about, as crappy as it can be sometimes? To bring glory and honor to Christ. You know what the gift that you have in your hand, whatever it is, music, uh, money, teaching, I don't know, whatever that is you have, because everybody has something, you know, you know what it's all about? It's not about you. It's about bringing glory to Him. See, because if we really believe what I said earlier, that you had no choice in this thing, if you really sit in a position of humility to go, oh God, thank you for the next breath that I'm going to draw upon. If, if you really believe that, then you have to believe that your life is to bring glory to him. Because he's the one who gave you this life. Church, it's time to wake up. Here's the question. Do you look more like Kathy Boone? Are you wandering the spiritual streets, the streets in life, you know, 
with a basket and every, all your possessions in the basket. When all along you have an inheritance. Or do you look more like what God created you to be? A man or woman in the midst of whatever the storm is brings glory to the Savior. It's not easy. I've failed a million times. I'm going to get up. I'm going to try to just remember the inheritance that's in this scripture, in this word, the beauty of, of, uh, I can turn to any book and, and, and God's promises and they're mine. They're mine because of Christ Jesus. Because of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. God, I thank you that we have uh, an inheritance in you and your son. God, this is a, a holy moment when we receive communion. God, we, we do it at the end of the message and we do it every week because first because your word says when you come together that you should receive my body and my blood. But Lord, I, it just sits so perfectly in an opportunity for us to respond to your word. And as, as we preach your word in this, this beautiful letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians, God, that, that, Lord, you would awaken us to the inheritance that we have sealed by your Holy Spirit. Here's the beauty of this moment in communion. We're, we're, we're going to receive, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, this is, just stay away. The Bible's real clear. If you have a relationship with Jesus, this is, this is a time that you come and you receive the bread as represents his body that was broken for you and you receive the wine that represents the blood that was spilled for you. And, and it's a time before we do that, we examine our hearts. Maybe you've been living a little more like Kathy Boone. Here's where we go to the cross and we go, oh God, forgive me. Forgive me for not walking in my inheritance. How foolish of me, God. Maybe you thought um, you're running the show. Maybe you running the show hasn't worked so well. Communion, we come and we bring it before the cross and we go, God, forgive me. And the Bible says he's faithful to forgive. And then we receive his body and we receive the the, the, the wine. And it reminds us that the blood of Jesus washes away all those sins. And it awakens us to the Spirit that we might walk in the inheritance that He has for each one of us and the purposes of God that He has for each one of us. God, have mercy. So, Lord, I pray for 
everyone in here today, God, that, uh, Lord, on some level, we all need to be awakened to the inheritance that you've given us, the future inheritance that we will see someday, but, Lord, the inheritance that we receive right now, forgiveness of sins. There's, uh, God, that we can walk in freedom. And Lord, I thank you for that. In your precious name.